Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The final time. Headed for the hairpin and home. Take your time through here. You got no pressure. And through turn 12, Daniel Suarez is a NASCAR Cup winner. It's been a rough though. It's been a, a rough journey in the Cup Series. And uh, you guys believe in me, track out racing, Justin Marks, Cy Norris. Everyone that helped me to, to get to this point, you know, a lot of people in Mexico, Jim, or Alex Carlos my family, you know, they never, they never give up on me. A lot of people did, but they didn't, so I'm very happy that, that we're able to make it work. We have Daniel Amigos over there! Welcome to NASCAR America, Motor Mouse, Kyle Petty, Marty Sunder joining you here in Charlotte today. What an incredible day at Sonoma with Daniel Suarez getting his first ever Cup Series win and an emotional scene there. Kyle, most popular garage area win in maybe how long? A couple years, you think, or what? Listen, and I I was talking earlier, um, I've been around a long time. You you already know that. I'm going to tell you that from a competitor's point of view, you talk about the garage area, that has to be a top five, top six moment. Wow. I, I can't imagine. I, I'm, I'm blown away at the outpouring from his competitors. He is such a good guy that everyone is genuinely excited for him. I mean, I've seen popular wins, but inside the garage area, this was really special. A lot of people pulling yeah. for him because a lot of people know what he's gone through to yep. get to this point. So certainly a lot to break down from the Sonoma race yesterday. Daniel Suarez with a big win. We want to hear from you guys today as well here on Motor Mouse 844-NASCAR-NBC. Get your thoughts on the race. We'll also hear from Chris Busher, who wound up finishing second yesterday. Our old buddy Slugger Labby is going to Join us a little bit later in the show. We're going to get a manufacturer's perspective right before the final off weekend of the season. But first up, joining us, the man who finished seventh in the truck series race at Sonoma, our buddy Parker Klingerman. 
We're happy for the top 10 for you, Parker. You're still in California. Are we celebrating the top 10? Parker's still in California. There's a little bit of wine around. I mean, it's a good occasion to celebrate, I guess. Yeah, not quite the top 10 we're celebrating, but it was a solid run for us. Um, you know, we, we were we were close, but I think the, you know, we wanted more, of course, going all the way out to California, but ran well. And I actually, I, I found it funny. I was bumping the uh, back bumper of Suarez on Saturday in the final turn of the last lap, trying to move him out of the way. And he goes on to dominate the cup race. And I'm thinking, hey, I was right with that guy. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. were right with him on Saturday. That was Listen, uh, a lot of fun. Wait a to watch. He's still in California because you had to finish in the top five to be able to pay the change fee for your ticket <laughs> to be able to fly home. He, he just didn't make enough. That's he, it. He's waiting. He'll he'll be able to get home hopefully later Kyle today. Kyle knows what's up. We're ready to prize money over here. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so let's talk about Kyle Sunday. Uh, in your mind, we we talked about how the garage area loved yeah. it. Is it a win, a statement of, of perseverance more than anything else? Because you heard Daniel's interview, and he said, a lot of people gave up on me. Yeah. Listen, and, and here's a kid who jumped in a 64, 65, 66 Volkswagen mm-hmm. Beetle and drove from Monterey, Mexico to Albany, New York, or somewhere up that way. New York. Buffalo, New York, to run a late model stock car, okay, to just run, run to be able to race something. Um, bounced around, ended up a couple of different places. Um, and just, I don't think he ever felt like he got the respect that he deserved, um, that, that he deserved as a driver. Won a championship in the Xfinity. Beat Kyle Busch at Michigan. Places, mm-hmm. I mean, the, he's, he, when you start checking off stuff, you're looking like, man, this is Daniel Suarez. He's done all this stuff. Because you forget it. But at the same time, this is a kid that never gave up on himself. Never, ever. I talk to him or text him once a week, once every 10 or 12 days. And he just, this is the week. This is the week. Mm. We're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people said maybe his time has passed. Um, maybe your time has passed and maybe it's time to go back, but not him. Never. And, Kyle, that's really interesting because I think, you know, that was kind of the trajectory he was on, right? Just a couple of years ago before Trackhouse came around, you know, he was kind of from Joe Gibbs to Stuart Haas to Gaunt Brothers sort of going in the wrong direction in terms of the rides that he was getting. And that's one of the toughest things as a driver, one, to keep your confidence, two, to think it's going to turn around, right? And he took that risk going to track house early on when, you know, Justin Marks had never even had a team, right? And suddenly here he was saying, I'm going to have a cup team and, and you know, take this risk of me. So I think that was important. And I, I know Daniel kind of went into a little bit of how he, you know, sacrificed to get to this point. And I think, you know, that's a point that all of us drivers can relate to, right? The sacrifices we've all made to become drivers, whether it's, you know, time, time with your family it's missing you know things that other people get to do that living normal lives it's time on the road it's sacrifice like you know trying to move to a different country and learn another language i mean he's done an unbelievable you know herculean task to come over here learn a language and make it all the way to the top of the sport and then not give up when it's going you know the wrong direction and to find that confidence and and know deep down that he could get it done and to go get a win in a dominating fashion like he did yesterday i just think it's a very cool story and that's why you saw so much respect in the garage because we've all seen the sacrifice he made and we can all relate to it i'm gonna gonna say this i'm gonna say this and you 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 brought it up and that when you talk sacrifice um we did a show on nbc sports called racing roots and we did we did did a little bit yes and we did one with him what his sisters sacrificed Mm -hmm. from their schoolwork, from being able to go to this school and then having to go to this school so daniel can race what their family sacrificed, we're going to sell our house and move to this house. 
what his dad sacrificed. We're going to sell the business and put all of our money mm. in a race car so Daniel can race. His entire family sacrificed. And I think that's why Daniel never would give up on himself because his family, his sisters, his dad, his mom, his grandparents had made such a commitment, had sacrificed so much for him to stop, for him to not believe in himself, let his whole family down. And that's not Daniel Suarez. This is, a, this is not an American story. This is not a story that you hear from a lot of kids that grow up and, yeah, my dad did this or whatever. He, he did this. This is the entire family who gave everything they could so Daniel Suarez could make it to the highest level of NASCAR in this country. We're going to see some of that racing route show in a moment. Parker, I want to go back to something you said. You brought up Gaunt Brothers. No one can talk about this topic better than you. Same team that you race for, right? And, and nothing against Marty Gaunt, but it looked like Daniel had gone from Joe Gibbs racing to Stuart Haas to Gaunt Brothers. It almost seemed like at that point he was out. I mean, when you're in that situation, do you ever think, I'm going to get back to a better ride someday, and I'm going to get back to a winning level when you're in that, that situation where, honestly, some weeks you're starting park? No, no doubt. And, you know, he, I mean, think about this. He missed the Daytona 500 in that car. Like, you yeah. know, that's the biggest event and, and to miss it and to go, as you put it, from, you know, where he was and winning an Xfinity Series championship, going into Joe Gibbs, one of the premier, you know, premier organizations, then getting a year at Stuart Haas and finding himself missing Daytona 500. That's a really hard thing to come back from. And it's a really hard thing to keep your confidence as a driver. And then, all the other stuff outside the car you have to do, which is, you know, get your sponsors on board, keep them behind you, keep your partners, you know, your family believing in you, those sorts of things, and just the belief in yourself. So I, I think it's it's pretty incredible, you know, going to that point and then coming all the way back to being at Trackhouse and finding himself in victory lane 195 starts later, right? Like that's, that's another mm. impressive part is how many, you know, starts he's had to get to this point. I just think it's a great, story of determination not giving up and in finding a way back and and believing in yourself like that you know i know as myself and many drivers we've seen the points in our career where it's like hey we're this might be it this is over like that you know you have to have that realization and, and sort of look in the mirror and ask yourself am i ready to keep doubling down or committing to this or keep trying to make this work or do you know do i need to move on and I don't know if he, you know, was in that position, but definitely when you're falling, you know, going down the cup series order, that's a tough thing to keep your confidence and just think, you know, I'm going to get back there. And so, you know, more credit to him for sticking with it, for his family sticking, you know, sticking around, yeah. as he said, the people that believed in him and, and finding a way back and getting to victory lane. Parker, not to get too philosophical, but is the, the principle of someone believing you in professional sports an undervalued thing to have on your side? I, I think I always say the, there's two currencies for race car drivers. Obviously, there's there's funding and money, and then the other one is confidence. And whatever you can do to have confidence, create confidence, to you know find that confidence, whether it's your support system, family wise, or a sponsor or so a mentor to you that helps you keep that confidence. That is what drives race car drivers. It's what creates performance. What creates great finishes. It's the the thing that creates the smallest amount of time and decision-making, which in a race car is really important because if those decision times get longer, that's when you make mistakes. That's when there's issues that occur. But when you have lots of confidence, you do things almost automatic. And that is such a, you know, the, the biggest thing about confidence that you can have. And so, yes, I think, you know, confidence can come from people believing in you. Just having people say you can get it done and reminding you that you can do that. 
I think that that exists. And so not to be too philosophical, but I, I really think, you know, if you, whatever it takes to keep that confidence or have someone believe in you and, and at, you know, talk to them about why sometimes, why do they believe in you, right? And reminding you yeah. what you're good at. I think it's such a key to this. So I absolutely agree. Yes, it, it is an important part of it. Yeah. And listen, you, you, you explained that so perfectly. And, and I will give you an example. Uh, uh, other than Daniel Suarez, Joey Logano. Mm. He drove at Gibbs. They said, that's, that's the car. Drive it, dude. You know what I mean? He goes to Penske. Penske puts a team around him that believe in him, that he believes in. And the confidence in that 22 team and Joey Logano has soared. There's championships, there's wins. Uh, so much came out of that because they believed in him and he believed in them. Awesome. All right, let's go take a phone call here at 844-NASCAR-NBC. Chandler in Indiana, what's going on, Chandler? How are you doing this evening? Doing really great, Marty. And, um, you know, what Daniel did on, you know, at Sonoma was really incredible. So big hats off to him. Um, so my question for you guys is since Ross just stayed, you know, one on a road course, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, he came to Talladega and got his second career win. My question is for you is that, you know, can Daniel Suarez repeat the same thing on what his teammate did, get his first career win on a road course, and the next thing you know, they come to Daytona, and he gets his second uh, career win there. I don't know. What do you think, Parker? Do you see a second Mm. win for Daniel Suarez (laughs) this year? Well, as we say in racing, winning fixes everything. So it's it's the end-all be-all, and it always makes everything better. And I think, you know, it's the best confidence boost you can possibly have. I don't see any reason why he couldn't. You know, I, I've seen him in position at the Super Speedways before, you know, be very close and be running up front and making all the right moves. And I think, you know, one of the things a lot of people were asking is when Ross was doing so well this early this season and, you know, the, one, the 99 car hadn't quite obviously gotten to victory lane, you know, what kind of, what kind, of, what kind of psyche does that put you in as that 99 team? And I think that's one of the things that's really exciting for Trackhouse and probably for Daniel Suarez is they looked at the things Ross and that one car were doing, right? And they said, okay, here's the things they're doing right, but here's the things we do well, right? If I can mix both these together, then that's a really winning combination. And I think that's what you get when you have two high-performing teammates, whether that's on a road course or going to Super Speedways, they've looked at what Ross did or what things, you know, moves he made and now can take that, note it, know what he has in his car and go to Daytona with that confidence, one, that they've already won and two, that they have a teammate that's won on that type of track and here's exactly what he did and here's what we had in the car. So I think absolutely that's a place they can win. But Trackhouse right now has shown speed everywhere. So I, I yeah. think I think with this confidence, they could go almost any track coming up and obviously road courses, they've got a ton of speed. So let's yeah. talk about track house. I mean, I don't think any of us saw this coming, yeah. Kyle. Why no. are they successful this year? Like, how, how do they come out of the gates with three wins? That's a great question. Uh, and there, let, let me tell you, there's a lot of owners asking that same <laughs> question. A lot of guys <laughs> like Rick Hendrick and Roger Penske. Right. There's and, a lot of other ones. That does happen. But, but, but I, 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 we'll go two, two routes on this. I, I think a lot of it comes, it comes from the top. We mm. talk about Hendrick Motorsports. We talk about Gibbs. We talk about Penske. Uh, and we talk about their leadership. Now we have to put Justin Marks in that category. Mm. It comes from Justin Marks. It comes from his approach to the sport. It comes from his approach to racing, his dedication, what he believes in, and what the way he wants his team to perform. They're having fun because Justin Marks is having fun. Uh, Ty, Ty Norris is over there. Ty's never went to a team as a general manager or any part of that team that they haven't won races. Yeah. I, I got to give Ty Norris some props here. But, but this... 
I look at this, and I, and I, I, I say, it was a ballsy move to buy Ganassi Racing, to just, boom, we're going to buy you, dude. We're going to buy you. Come on over. You know? I mean, nobody saw that coming. I, I didn't see that coming. Nobody. Who thought Chip Ganassi would sell out? Then he sells out to Trackhouse. But the one thing that, that, that Justin said yesterday was the 99 one. That's our team. Mm. We started this team with one car, one driver, one goal, and today we fulfilled that goal. And basically that's it. That's the car. You mm. can look at that other team, and a lot of people have, have given it sideways looks and said, well, that's just Ganassi. Ganassi should win. That team should win. Yeah. But no, it's not Ganassi. That's Trackhouse. And their philosophy and the way they approach the sport. Um, and I, I agree with everything Parker said. These two guys are going to drive each other. Um, and, and they appear to have a great working relationship. And I think, again, that goes to Justin Marks and how he runs his organization. Kyle, what do you think? I, well, I just want to piggyback off that because I think you really brought up a great point, which a lot of people want to say this is Ganassi, right? But it's not. It's track house, and that's so evident simply from the culture. And you mentioned Justin, you know, what he's instilled in that race team. But just talk to him. He's, he's a good friend of mine. You know, how he goes about talking to those team members. And when he first, you know, acquired that team and talking to everyone there, he basically said to them, you know, we are not Ganassi. This is track house, and we are here to win. And that culture and that sort of mindset has been instilled. He talked about it when, you know, with Ross and say, say sort of saying to Ross, you're not an underdog anymore. Like, you are a winner, right? And saying that same thing to Daniel Suarez, you're not an underdog. You're a winner, and you're here to win, and this team can win. So I think that's a really big thing, especially in this modern-day NASCAR where you have a next-gen car that's all the same parts and pieces for everyone. Right. So what's the difference? It's the people and it's their belief and their culture and the mindset you have around those people right now. That's going to be the biggest difference between winning or losing in modern day NASCAR. And I think you're seeing that right now. Trackhouse, who came in with a fresh approach and Justin Marks, who said, you know, this is the culture I'm instilling here. This is the belief system I want to have in this team. And it's working. And I think it might be a template for many other teams to sort of look at and say, you know what? We've got to figure out how to do that same thing, because we're not just going to build a faster piece. We've got to have people that believe that they're faster. Yeah, Parker, Kyle and I were talking about this earlier. He's made it a fun place to work. I mean, everybody everybody loves working at Trackhouse right now. Yeah. When the winds don't hurt, yeah. right? Hey, winning yeah. is great. And if it's a cool place and you've got cool owners and it's fun and they obviously do an awesome job, you know, marketing-wise and they have a lot of cool partners and they do, you know, the branding is so well done and they have the Project 91 happening with Kimi Raikkonen, which is the coolest thing ever. So I just think... Obviously, it's a cool place to be, a place that's growing. And as you guys know, anywhere that's growing, especially in the racing industry, is a cool place to be. And I think they're just, you know, they're on they're on a, the upswing right now. And why wouldn't you want to be there? Yeah. It's a good spot. Yes, and, it is. In, in a 38-week year, Kyle, you need to make it a fun place to <laughs> yes, work. Yes, you do, man. If you want to have success, yes, no doubt about it. Well, when we come back, it wasn't all about Daniel Suarez at Sonoma. Tons of great stories throughout the field. When we come back, we'll go through the field with a ton of drivers and their stories from Sonoma. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
are literally pitbull texting me right now. Congrats, and I can't say that word. I'm taking a couple tequila shots right now. Dale, history in the making. See you soon. Step on the gas and haul ass. <laughs> it's Team Trackhouse all the way. I'm so happy for this group. And to be this new and this, this special of a group, uh, this is not supposed to happen. So another two fast cars, and can be prouder of, of Daniel. Um, like, I know what he's feeling right now, and gosh, he's, he's so good. And uh, I'm so proud for him and happy for him. Didn't get the job done there, and I uh, apologize to these guys because they, they put an awesome fifth third bank Mustang underneath me this weekend. It's a heck of a return, and uh, we had a lot of speed and struggled for a little bit of longer on speed, just wearing rears out, and ultimately just didn't get done when it counted. So, first speed act close. We're trying. We're trying to get them, just, uh, just ran out of steam there. Obviously, wish we could have fought for the win, but, um, you know, a top five and some solid points. Appreciate Jeremy Bowens and the guys. It all works out in the end, but uh, definitely a battle. Fun racetrack in these cars, but uh, definitely a handful for sure. Obviously, we want to win the race. You know, finishing third doesn't get you in the playoffs, but, you know, I keep telling my guys, we got to run second, third, fourth, fifth, week in, week out, and we'll eventually get a win. And felt like we were close today. Just need a little bit more fire off speed on the front end, getting closer, so we'll keep pushing hard. But we just have a catastrophic failure at least once or maybe twice a weekend, so... Um, we can't figure that out, but we got back as far as we could, and guess it is what it is. Hmm, there you go. Kevin Harvick felt like that should have been a second-place finish. Check this out, Kyle. Playoff leaderboard. That's getting a little dicey, isn't it? Ten, tight, ten tight. races to go until the playoffs. Only four spots left. If you're going to make it in on points, we'll certainly talk about that here in a minute. Uh, please tell me one of you boys put the $5 trifecta down on Suarez, Busher, and McDowell. You oh, made yeah. a lot of money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know Parker did. Come on, Parker. I know you had that oh, down, yeah. didn't you? And you know, I, I don't even think I had McDowell in my fantasy team because I'm terrible. <laughs> Much less putting money on him. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, some great stories from this weekend. All that terrific sound after the race. So, Kyle, let's take the case of uh, Chris oh. Busher. Do you walk away happy you finished second, or do you walk away thinking, how many more shots am I going to have to put myself in the playoffs like that? Eh, you know, I, I think you do have to question, how many more shots am I going to have um, with 10 races to go, you know, when, as we're looking at that. But at the same time, I think he's got to be pretty happy. Um, it, you know, if we look at, at this team um, and, and we look at how they performed, he's the only race car driver they have. He's the only guy that's been able to do anything. I've not seen Brad this year. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's shown up yet. And okay. Because he's got his owner's hat on. Yeah. He's got his own. It's difficult to be an owner and a driver and take a, a, a hands-on approach like Brad does. So You would know. I, yeah, I do know. And so I look at Chris Buescher and I think, my gosh, Chris is doing a phenomenal job. He's doing things with this car that we've not seen out of the Roush organization hmm. or whoever you want to call it, Fenway, Keselowski, whatever it is, RFK. organization, yet that we've not seen in a pretty good while. I mean, when's the last time we saw a car from the, that organization in contention for a win on a road course? Mm. Now, there's other places they struggle, but I think that's a shot that he looks at and he says, really solid day for us, but a shot we missed. Yeah, no doubt about it. Could have been uh, their ticket to the playoffs. So, Parker, how about the case of Michael McDowell? I mean, all of a sudden, the 34 team is this top 10 machine, five in the last eight races. Have they really turned a corner, you think? It doesn't surprise me. And, I, I, you know, we alluded to it in the last segment just talking about this modern-day NASCAR, which we're all experiencing for the mm -hmm. first time and trying to understand, which is, you know, everyone has the same parts and pieces to work with. You know, we have not seen this in the NASCAR Cup Series ever, and I think you're seeing this parity continue, and it's throughout the whole field. It's not just the winners, right? It's not just the pole winners. It's through the whole field, and I can tell you, 
when I raced at Gateway, it shocked me how close the whole field is. And that means tiny little minute things can make huge differences, like having a guy who's good at road courses, Michael McDowell, going out there and running well at Sonoma. So I, when I look at this car and the modern-day NASCAR, you know, front row is a team to me that, that stood, you know, to benefit a lot from this design and this car. And I think you're seeing that right now. And maybe it took them a minute to sort of get rolling. Now that they have and they've got, you know, the solid base of understanding this car, I'm not surprised to see them doing this well. And, and Michael McDowell has proven in the last two or three years to be adept at almost every type of track, you know, not just a road course hmm. guy. So he, yeah. you know, this lines up perfectly for him and this team right now. And so they absolutely, you know, are performing to a level I assume they could. He and Blake Harris have been doing a fantastic job. Kyle, let's talk about Kevin Harvick. You heard his soundbite there. Fourth, he feels like it should have been second. I mean, they can't buy a clean race. No. I mean, how do they fix it? And honestly, with 10 races to go in the playoffs, below the cut line, do they find their way into the playoffs? Okay. Listen, I, that's the question they ask themselves every Monday morning. How do, you want me to move my coffee? Is that I don't care. No, no. <laughs> how, 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 do they, how do they fix it? That, that, that's the question. Because there's just little things that keep nagging this team. That just keep nagging this team, nagging this team. But... It nags all of Stuart Haas. We can talk Cole Custer. We can talk Chase Briscoe. We can talk Eric. There's always something that takes these guys from a solid second, a solid fifth, back to a tenth or eleventh. Um, and, and, you know, what I haven't seen from this team, except once or twice this year, is speed. Any speed in any of their cars. Okay? Mm. We've had some solid fifths. We've had some solid sevenths. We've had some solid. Chase Briscoe has run up front. But from the rest of this group, I've not seen any speed. And if I'm looking to make the playoffs, I've got to have some speed at some point in time. Then I've got to have a clean race. Okay? When he finally has some semblance of speed, he can't have a clean race. And when you're playing on a razor's edge where everything has to be a perfect day, mm-hmm. a perfect day, for you to run in the top five, there's not a win in your future. Okay? There's not a win in your future. You've got to make that solid first where you build a good platform, and they don't have it right now. You know, what's odd is that his pit crew was, you know, struggled a couple years ago, so good last year, and this year they just can't seem to put clean stops together for an entire race. All right, Parker, Kyle Larson, another loose wheel. That's the 10th of this season, so Cliff Daniels is going to take a vacation uh, very likely, right? So why can't teams figure this out? I I don't get it. I think the whole sport's asking that, right? And I think it's been a really tough thing for all the teams, and we're seeing this, and we consistently have seen it. And it's, you know, one, the speed on pit road. The speed of these stops is unbelievable. I I can tell you from being in the car, for the first time experiencing one of these single lug stops, you know, I couldn't, I had to be like prepared, like, oh, wait, it's over? Oh, okay, I got to get going. Whoa, (laughs) the speed is amazing. But with that comes, you know, the issues that can occur like this of not getting that wheel tight. It's an entirely different design. you know, I think there's some technical aspects that the whole sport is looking at and how to make this better for everyone and not to have these issues. Um, but it's, you know, it's obviously disappointing when you have a fast car like that, you're putting yourself in position, and then the, you know, the gravity of the penalty, that's the question if it really, you know, is fitting this crime because for, you know, to be suspending your crew chief and other members for four weeks and, and just knowing how large a penalty this is, it's really a tough position, I think, for the whole sport right now. So, I think the whole sport has to look at, you know, how to, one, obviously rectify the issue, fix this so it doesn't occur in the future, and then also saying, okay, how can we, you know, evaluate things that this isn't the level, you know, this isn't happening, one, and two, this isn't 
creating the, the compounding effects of now having team members out, which hurts the teams and just really makes it harder for everyone involved to, uh, to move past these issues like this. All right, I'm going to bring both of you in for this. We'll throw up the playoff standings and show you there's only four spots left on points. I feel like we have this conversation, Parker, every June, right? But you've got names like Blaney, Truex, Bell, Harvick, and Reddick who haven't won. So, yes or no, 16 winners this year, or do some get on points? I, I won't be surprised because, I mean, look at that. You mentioned it, Blaney, Truex, Bell. I mean, the RCR cars, how have they not won yet? Especially Tyler Reddick. Like, that, you, I would have had easily had him having to win by now. Eric Jones has shown such great speed, was so close at Talladega to winning there. I think if we're ever going to see more than 16 winners in a season with this playoff format, I, it has to be this season, knowing, you know, just everyone figuring out this car, how big a difference it's been, how much it's turned up, you know, turned everything upside down, and how much parity there's been, and how close it is. I think you have to be looking at that. And if you're, Eric Amarola or RCR, those two RCR cars. I mean, poor RCR once again, right there on the bubble, like you've seen every year here with both their cars. But mm. I think you cannot feel safe at all that you're going to point your way into this for the first time in a long time. I think you have to be focusing right now, especially with, the, with how variable the schedule is coming up these next 10 weeks. It's You've got to be focusing on getting a victory lane. Yeah. And, and listen, I, I agree. If we're ever going to see 16 winners, we're as close as we're going to get. Mm. Um, and, and look, and, and it's so precarious because Daniel Suarez is 20th in the playoff points, and whoop, he's in. So mm. that moves everybody down, and that's the problem. It keeps shuffling people down. I am going to say this. My, my, my heart tells me I want to see 16 different winners, okay? Math tells me I'm not going to see 16 because what I'm, what I'm, 40% of the races that are left before the playoffs have to be won by new guys, okay? Four out of the ten have to be won. By, by that list right there. And I don't see four of those ten winning these, these races. You know what I mean? And th that's the simplest way for me to look at it is just say 40% of this has to happen. And I don't see that. I might see 20%. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I might get you to 14 of 16, but I believe there's going to be one or two guys uh, that are going to be really fighting hard for that I position. I like you doing math, Kyle. Yeah, and, of it. course, it all kicks off after this, the last... Kyle. I know. Yes. When did he bring math into it, Parker? <laughs> uh, it all kicks off when we uh, return to the air. NASCAR on NBC is back at Nashville after the last off week of the year, which is crazy to think about. But look at that schedule, Kyle. I mean, you can honestly oh, make yeah. a legit argument. Half of those races are, are truly wild card races. You've got the, the three road courses. You've got Atlanta, which is a super speedway now. And Daytona as well, leading into the playoffs. That's, that's a crazy schedule. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've run, we've run what, 16 races? Yeah. We've got 14 different winners. Yeah. Every race is a wild card race. <laughs> a wild, every know, race is out of control, I man. Mean, you have at, to look at it that but way. But look at I, the diversity I, I know, of that. I know that's what insane. you're saying, but that's the way the season has been this year. I got you. Every race is out of control. Every race is a wild card. You go into it and you think, oh, yeah, man, we're going to New Hampshire. Boom. Man, Denny Hamlin. We're going to Pocono. Boom. We got this guy. You're going to Indy. You got this. Whatever it may be. But it's not playing out that way this year. We just went through it. Daniel Suarez, um, Chris Buescher, yeah. and, and Michael McDowell. <laughs> one, two, three. three. When, are you, when would you have ever picked those for any race all season long to be your top three? And, and that's, it's, it's just so hard to wrap your hands around and, and to wrap your mind around to say, where is Kevin Harvick? Where is Martin Truex? Yeah. Where are these guys that we're used to seeing running up front? Because they've been replaced by a new group. I mean, Parker, it even Kyle, magnifies more to me, though, when we look at that schedule. Don't you agree? 
Oh, 100 percent. And I think that's the thing. And I just keep going back to, look, this field is the tightest it's ever been in cup. And so such tiny things make huge differences. And I just don't think, you know, we can look back at other seasons. And I know you mentioned the math, 40 percent have to go and win the next 10 races. I absolutely see that. You know, I see that as we've got a chance, right? Because there is so much up for grabs in the diversity of that schedule. And you have such a tight field. I mean, I'm talking half a second separating the field at times from first to 32nd. Like that has not occurred in the NASCAR Cup Series. I don't think in ever. It's crossed all these different types of tracks. So (laughs) we really are in uncharted territory in terms of the competitiveness of this series. And I really think it might be one of most competitive seasons in the history of NASCAR Cup Series. And therefore, I just, I, I know some you know, I saw Denny Hamlin say there's no chance we're going to have over 16 or whatever. I just, I'm not counting chickens till we get to yeah. uh, Daytona because this is just wide open, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's a, that, that is a, that's a great way to look at it. You can't, and you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I'm sitting here saying I don't see 40%. And then he explains it that way, and I look at, well, we've had 14 out of 16. You know what I mean? We've had, it, could, it could very well be. Could and be. and I, I think he's right because you can't, and that, that's great analysis because I don't think that you can take this year and lay it there and say, oh, let's compare it to the last 70 years of yeah, our school. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because these guys are all overlaid on top of each other. And it's those little mistakes, like wheels coming off, if you want to call that a little one, yeah. those little mistakes <laughs> that are the difference between winning and losing now. All right, Parker, always fun hanging out with you, yeah, bud. Uh, take a week Thank off guys, because we're putting it. you to work next weekend in Nashville. Get ready for Can't it. Wait. I'm ready. Let's get All going. All right, our boy Parker Klegerman hanging out with us today. When we come back, KP and I get to hang out with Chris Busher, and you can tag along. That's coming up next here on Motor Mouse. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. KP, if you just would have listened to me and laid down the $5 on the trifecta, you would have had a terrific <laughs> payday. Or, oh. or you could have set your fantasy lineup better, which, by the way, you are leading our league. That's your... crazy. I retired yesterday. <laughs> I, I retired. As soon as I got to the lead, I retired. Going out on top. Oh, well, on here's top. our top ten from the Sonoma race. Chris Busher wound up second behind Daniel Suarez. Looked for a while like he might be able to get around Daniel Suarez towards the end of that race. And Chris Busher now joins us here on NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Happy to have you on the show, Chris. I'll ask you what I asked Kyle a moment ago. So are you happy you finished second? Are you upset thinking, man, we were so close to that automatic berth for the playoffs? Yeah, it's um, it's bittersweet for sure. Second, it was um, a great finish. It was a great weekend. Um, you know, everybody did a really nice job on our fifth third bank Mustang group. And um, it, it just, it stings a little bit to be that close and, and know that, we were um, right there at it and, and just fell off a little bit hard late in the run uh, with, with some rear grip. But it's a really fun weekend. Um, enjoyed going back to the to the shoot. And, um, you know, the car was, was, like I said, really good. Just um, it was great. I, I should be really, really happy and really ecstatic, but it, it does hurt to, to be that close and, and not quite be able to get it. 
Yeah, I, and I want to go back to yesterday, too. Um, and, and you talked about late, the car fell off a little bit. There were times in the race you just drove up through the pack. I mean, I heard other drivers complain about passing, and you were passing inside, outside. <laughs> you were a little bit of everywhere. You got within three tenths. You stuck your nose in the inside of, of Daniel a couple of times. But then when the car quit, it just quit. How important was tire management, and how hard is it to manage tires when you're knocking on the door trying to get around that guy for the lead and the win? Yeah, that was the hard part, right, is um, I, I knew how abrasive it had been. Uh, with the sun coming out, it, it got worse yet, and um, I, I figured we needed to make a move and I needed to try and get to the lead, and uh, we got right there at him and um, and was trying to get, get to him, getting down into 11, and uh, we had really good braking capabilities, just, um, just wasn't quite enough, probably could have could have shoved him out of the way at, at that point but it was still 20 laps to go and um didn't feel like that was the the time and, and i was really optimistic that we were going to have a chance to to get after it and, and be really aggressive in the closing laps and that's where we just fell off too hard but um you know it was it, we probably used it up uh trying to try to stay with him there and, and ended up uh, paying the price late in the run and and um you know, something that we're going to go back and, and look into for some other uh, other road races coming up. It obviously gives us a whole lot of momentum heading into uh, a stretch where we have three more road races coming up pretty quickly mm. here. So that's pretty awesome for us, and uh, and we know we have all of those circled as well as some of these other ovals. So um, it's been great momentum. We've we've had a really good month and a half probably as as far as speed. Uh, we don't have a whole lot to show for it, right? Um, you know, we missed. Um, uh, I missed Gateway. Uh, the the rollover at at Charlotte was just a, a freak deal that uh, you know, never would have would have expected, and just a shame to to run 550 miles in uh, right around the the top five, about sixth or seventh, and and uh, not have anything to show for that one. So anyway, it, it we've had speed, and it's been great to to know that internally, but. We we're finally able to get a result to, to show for it and say, look, this is real. Uh, we can we can calculate it. We just got to keep uh, keep after it. And if we keep after it, we're gonna we're gonna get wins here. So we're uh, we're knocking right there on the door. You mentioned all the road courses coming up. James from New York has called in at eight four four NASCAR NBC. I think James wants to ask you about all the road courses coming up. James, go ahead. You're on with Chris Busher. Hey, Chris. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, after your runner-up finish at Sonoma yesterday, as well as uh, your teammate Brad Keselowski finishing 10th, uh, what have you guys learned and the RFK organization as well learned for uh, Road America coming up in July? And do you think that could help you uh, get a win going into uh, Road America as well, as well as your teammate Brad, Brad Keselowski? Yeah, 100%, James. Um, I would say that we went to Coda early in the year, and um, and we missed it. We just uh, we weren't where we needed to be. We we came back. Everybody back at the shop really took a step back, regrouped, um, dove into to why we weren't good there, and uh, and really basically got uh, got us better, got us really competitive, so that we were able to go to the uh, go to the Glen test. We did the tire test, um, not uh, right before the six hundred. We, we learned a lot coming out of there and, and had a lot of speed there. Obviously, you're only comparing to, to two other cars, but um, we, we came out of there feeling really confident that we had learned a lot about road racing across the board. And Sonoma is its own animal, right? It's really slow, uh, really, really abrasive on tires. It's, um, it's 
very technical. It's completely different than Watkins Glen, but uh, but a lot of what we learned at the Glen test actually did carry over, and, and because of that, we feel really strongly that it'll continue to carry over towards Road America um, and, and towards uh, Indy Road Course, and um, you know, I know the Roval's a, a ways away, but uh, I think that a lot of what we have figured out is going to apply to each and every road course we have coming up. Hey, Chris, you've mentioned the schedule coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kyle and I are having a debate. I say you look at the 10 <laughs> races left in the regular season. You could argue there's like five wild card races. Kyle says every race this year is a wild card <laughs> race. Do you, so do you agree with that, that, that Man, every I'm, race kind of this year, you really don't know who's going to win? I'm, I'm kind of with Kyle on this one. It's been, it's been across <laughs> the board wild. You, you don't have a favorite going into any race right now. It, it's, it's all across the board. Uh, you know, there's not really one driver or one team that's doing really good at just mile and a half. It's uh, it's week in, week out. We're having different drivers really uh, really show up and, and be really competitive. And so uh, I think that that's something that we, we look at that schedule coming up. There's a lot of, of different racetracks in uh, in that mix. And so um, I think they're they're basically all opportunities. I didn't realize we're only 10 away from, uh, from making that cut. So that's... Um, that puts a little extra pressure on us, and uh, it, it makes it hurt just a little bit more from Sonoma missing it by uh, by one. Mm. But uh, we have a lot of good racetracks for us coming up that we feel really strongly about after we take a week off here to uh, to hit that reset button. Um, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough. Uh, I think we're going to have more first time winners. We plan on being those uh, two of those, um, but I think we're going to have several more as we head in towards the playoffs. Um, I, I don't think it's a season where you can bank on pointing your way into the playoffs. All right, so that, I, want, I want to stay in that same vein a little bit because a um, long time before you were born, I drove a race car. And there were, <laughs> there were times I walked into the garage area uh, and I felt like I could beat everybody. There were years I felt like we could win any race, anytime, anywhere. Uh, and there were years you walked in and you thought, man, this is going to be tough. For, it's going to be tough to run 20th. It's going to be tough to run 25th. And I knew that. Even though I had that 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 confidence and I thought we with something could happen I could but I look at this year 16 races 14 winners everybody that walks through the great gate can be a winner what's that do for a driver's confidence who maybe in years past had walked through and said well those guys are the top we can finish right behind them if we finish there it's good what's that do for a driver and a team's confidence to know that it is so wide open I think it just makes uh, makes you realize every week is a a wide open opportunity. Uh, don't we, we can't sell ourselves short right now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity each each time we go to a racetrack, uh, wherever wherever the race may be, whatever kind of surface it is. Uh, I think that we really haven't had one style of racetrack where, um, speaking for our our team specifically, that that just isn't what we thought it would be. Um, you know, we've had really good runs at all kinds of different race surfaces. Um, if you'd asked me in the past, I, I'd, have, I'd have said, you know, I'd have been with you. If I can get 20th, 25th at Richmond or Phoenix in the past, I'd say that was that was an okay day. And, and we've been able to run top 10 at those races this year. So I feel like our short track program has, has come along and, and continues to progress. And I think that gives us confidence going into Loudoun. Um, obviously, the road courses we have pretty pretty high on our, our circled list right now. Uh, Atlanta was a, a strong one for us at the beginning of the season, or closer to the beginning of the season. Um, Nashville is one that 
I, I'm kind of on the fence about. I don't, I don't know where we're going to stack up. I, I, um, I feel like Gateway was probably, or, or Worldwide Technology was uh, was probably the best read for for Nashville, and, and I did not run that race um, the other week. So, uh, going to be leaning on the team a lot, and, and a lot of uh, Zane Smith's notes from that race to figure out how to be good at that one. I mean, it's just there, there's so many different different opportunities. You you have to go in every week thinking this is going to be the one and uh and it's opened it up it's wide open right now each and every week all right bob well we cannot wait to yep. see you in nashville we're fired up to get back on the air we'll For see sure. you there and uh you Great know hopefully you'll find out some good stuff about nashville yeah that's definitely the plan we're looking forward to it so i appreciate y'all thanks for having us on here and uh, enjoy uh, a little bit of downtime for a week and be ready to hit the ground running there you go. Enjoy your easy, off man. week. Thank you. Chris Busher joining Thank us here you. after the big second place finish at, at Sonoma. So, hey, KB, speaking of Sonoma, you want to hear some excitement? How about Tony Rivera with a call of Daniel Suarez's win in Spanish? Let's it's always it. exciting. Let's take a listen. Acá está el regio. Acá está Daniel Suarez. Truck House Racing. Auto 99. Se encuentra la 10. Cambio de toma. 5 segundos sobre Busher. No lo va a alcanzar. Suárez se la va a llevar. Daniel Suárez será el ganador. Se encuentra la 11. Por última vez. Cambio de toma, por favor. Acá está. Le espera la 12. La recta principal. Venga Suárez. Venga Regio. Daniel Suárez se la lleva. Papá, ¿qué te digo? Daniel Suárez ganador. Suárez logra su primera victoria en Cup. Suárez wow. gana en Sonoma. Suárez ganador en Cup. That, Tony is always awesome. That's great, man. But that is incredible to listen to. That's like to. the Spanish Lee Diffie. Yeah. <laughs> you just get excited, man. You just get excited. <laughs> you do, you do. No matter what's happening, you just get excited. So to that point, and I was going to bring up the, the time that you and Rutt spent with Daniel oh, for yeah. Racing Roots uh, in Monterey, Mexico. Great like, time. what do you think this win means to the to the Mexican fan base? Because you and Daniel yeah. have talked a lot about yes. that and how they've, you know, with Pitbull alongside, yes. how they're really reaching out Huge. to fans that NASCAR hasn't in the past. The, 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 the Latino, the Hispanic market, the, the country of Mexico. Yeah. Um, Daniel is the guy. Daniel is NASCAR. Daniel is what cup racing is in that country, in that whole country, in that whole country, not just the state of North Carolina or, or Georgia, what, yeah. in that whole country. And, you know, we went down there. Uh, we went to, to where he first started racing on a little go-kart. He kicked our butt six ways from Sunday on this <laughs> road course. Uh, so I knew he could run a road course. But the kids came out to see Daniel. These kids would come out and just stand on the fence just to see Daniel driving around the racetrack. Um, and, and I think that's the fascinating part. I, th- I think it means so much. And that's why, as we talked in the beginning of the show, and we talk about the sacrifices that his parents made and the sacrifices that have been made, the weight of an entire country mm-hmm. has been on his shoulders. He's only the fifth guy outside the United States, the fifth guy who, who was not born in America that has won a race here. Um, at the cup and the level. first from Mexico. And the first from Mexico, the very first. There's only one first, man, and he's the first. So to have that, um, it, it was just special. And spending time down there with his family, the way the fans embraced him, the way the community embraced him, the faith, uh, the belief they had yeah. in him. You can see why he carries himself the way he does. So real quick, there's a great shot in that show where you and Rutledge are walking out on this Vista 
overlooking Monterey, which is a massive yes. city. It's like yes. six million people, right? Yeah. And and you just you have this epiphany where like, how did a kid from Monterey, yeah. Mexico, go to Buffalo, New York, learn right. English, and make it into the Cup Series? Is, is that when that reality? Hit you when you were yeah. standing there, like how did he? How did he you, find his path there? Yeah, there's not a bridge from there. That that that's what you realize when you stand in Monterey, Mexico, and you see where Daniel grew up, and you go to the go kart race, and you see that he started driving Volkswagens, and he started mm-hmm. racing this, and then you see him standing on a podium in Sonoma, California, and you think there's no bridge. How did that happen? How did that happen? And that's the type of story that. You can't see a kid's heart. You can't see a kid's desire. You can't see what they want, what they dream. He sees it. Yeah. He saw it, and he's, he's been there. Uh, but it, it was. That's the moment when you stand there and you think, there is no way that this should have ever happened. And he did it and was successful. Yeah. So last off week of the year as we kick things off at Nashville in two weeks. So we want to get a manufacturer's perspective on things. So we called up our old butter, buddy Slugger Labby. He's going to join us next, and we'll get manufacturer assaults on where things stand on the last off week of the year. There, Slugger. What's going on, dude? Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hey, KP, Nitro Rallycross starts this weekend on Peacock. Travis Pastrana will be on Wednesday, by the way. Now, he's actually in England. So we're going to tape the interview at 5 p.m. He's going to jump the Atlantic. He's not in. But look, he's going to. So we're going to tape the interview at 5 p.m., which is late London time. So if you want to talk to Travis Pastrana, call in 844-NASCAR-NBC. You can talk to Travis Pastrana again, 5 p.m. Wednesday. Call in. You don't want to miss the show, what by kind the of way. What would you need to jump the Atlantic? I have no idea, okay, but I Nitro Rallycross is a brave sport, <laughs> and I don't know that I want any part nope, of it. Slugger Labby, our next guest, yes. may want a little part of it. Uh, can we talk you into Nitro Rallycross? <laughs> Slugger, are you out? You out of Nitro I'm, Rallycross? I'm, I'm getting way too old for that. <laughs> I would bet. So just to remind folks, you're now working with the Toyota Group after your uh, your crew chiefing days. So, you know, I, everyone coming into the season, Slugger, was all worried about cars and not having enough cars in the fleet. So where does that stand right now for race teams? Is everybody good? No concerns anymore moving forward about the fleet being big enough? Well, I think there's no concerns if you don't crash. Uh, and if you do crash, it certainly <laughs> makes it very challenging. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, getting parts from single source vendors definitely makes it a challenge, but they are doing their best to get the supply back to the teams where it needs to be. But uh, definitely you can get behind really quick with a couple, you know, a couple on track incidents. Okay, you talk about getting behind. We've seen at different times, and like the Chevys, they started really, really fast with this car right off the bat. And it seemed like the Toyotas and the Fords we're a little behind. With the supply chain demands, with what this car is, how hard is it to make up that difference once the season starts? Well, it's certainly hard. You know, prior to this year, if you were behind, you could go work on certain parts of the race car to make it better. And now you can't do that because you everything's homologated. So you have to really, really use all your people, your group IQ, go to the wind tunnels, use all the simulation tools that you have in place and try to make it to your advantage. But Man, it's uh, 
sometimes it's better to start the season off behind because it makes you work harder than everybody else. And then you'll find those advantages, uh, albeit small ones, but that, you know, they all stack up uh, like Corey LaJoy says, stacking pennies, right? So every little bit of downforce yeah. that you can find, you pile into these cars, just trying to find any little bit of an advantage, you know, Kyle, when you raced, if we found uh, 50 counts of downforce, it was a big thing. Now, if we find one or two counts, it's huge. And that's just the nature of this car. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy to think about it in that perspective. So help me understand something. Why are we having trouble getting the wheels tight in the Cup Series? I mean, I've been covering IndyCar for over a decade. I've seen it maybe happen four times in 12 years. It's happened 10 times this year, Slugger. What's going on? Man, I don't know. I changed tires for 12 years, and I usually hit at least three every time. But no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no it's definitely a challenge, and it comes down to everybody doing their job perfectly from indexing the tires uh, to running the lug nuts up. And, and simply, if you don't get the tire indexed properly, the wheel won't tighten up. And the teams have definitely uh, gotten better, but they've still got their challenges. NASCAR is working on a few critiques uh, that they're looking at for next year to make it easier. And the teams have asked for some sort of a reprieve if a tire does come off, you know, because four weeks is tough on a crew chief uh, and a tire changer and a jack man to simply stay home uh, when all your buddies are racing. You can't be there because of a simple mistake. So it's definitely uh, it's not easy to do. But when you're trying to do sub nine second pit stops, things happen very, very, very fast and accidents are going to happen. But. Man, I'll tell you, just, uh, you know, with the socket going the different way than what you're normal to uh, from last year, there's just so many things that stack up and one little mistake and you have a tire come off and it's a four-week vacation, unfortunately. Hey, Slugger, so real quick, your new role, you get to do everything with Toyota. So what's the the most fun to do? Is it NHRA? Is it trying to find the new (laughs) talent for Toyota? Hanging out with the Cup Series crew chiefs, hearing all their complaints? Like, what's the best part of the new gig? Well, not many people call to say, hello, how's your day going, right? They're usually complaining about something. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, you know, being in NASCAR for, since 1985, I really enjoyed NASCAR, gave my life to it, much like uh, like you two gentlemen have. But for me, starting off in drag racing, I, I didn't know a damn thing about drag racing. And I just simply had to, you know, open my eyes and, and shut my mouth and pay attention. Uh, and drag racing is really, really neat. A lot can go wrong in 3.8 seconds. And it's uh, great to be part of that solution process when things go wrong. But, uh, you know, heavily involved with NASCAR still with the truck series, ARCA series, uh, next-gen testing, wheel force testing. Uh, we're in the wind tunnel a lot. So my day is never short for work. Well, I, I do have to say this. Working there has made you smarter. I never thought I would hear the word amalgated come out of your mouth. Um, so there, there <laughs> man. I mean, your, your vocabulary is like this big now. Uh, man. It's huge. You're right. Kyle, you know me for a while, and I've never been a big fan of a rule book. Yeah. No, you have not, Slugger. I will vouch for that as your friend true, for a long time. True, man. All right, bud. Always fun hanging Thank out you. with you, man. We'll see you soon at the racetrack, okay? Have a great night, and happy Father's Day. Yeah. You too, man. There you go. You happy too. Father's Day to uh, to Slugger and to you as well, KP. Yep. So, you too, man. You yeah, too. I know. It's gonna not be a, you yet, yeah, Emmett, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get to Nashville, by the way. This is going to be fun. And oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Stuff, we're back, know. man. What are you talking about? I know. About? We're, we're back. back with Daniel Suarez winning. I mean, yeah, it's going to be big, awesome. Big. You don't want to miss Wednesday's show, by the way. The Writer's Show, Nate, Dustin, Mike Bagley, Pete Pistoni. They're all going to be here on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Check them out then. Travis Pastrana, too. Jump in the Atlantic. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.